Welcome to Lightsmithing. My name is Cynthia Burley. Today's topic is, is it sinful to refuse the marital debt? And the marital debt, also called the marriage debt, the nuptial debt, the conjugal debt, is the mutual obligation that the spouses have within a valid marriage to have marital relations. Let me pause now and say, if you have any children listening, you might want to put on your earphones because this is an adult topic. Although I will try my best to be delicate in this discussion. So where does the idea of a marital debt come from? You know, there are a lot of people who hate that term because they feel that marriage is about love and it shouldn't be about debt. But in honesty, there is a debt. There is an obligation. There is something to be paid. Where does this idea of the marriage debt come from? Comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 3 to 5. And I'm going to read it. Let the husband render the debt to his wife, and the wife also in like manner to the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And in like manner, the husband also hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud not one another, except perhaps by consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to prayer and return together again lest Satan tempt you for your incontinency. So this is where the idea of the marital debt comes from. It's actually a very solemn duty. And in some cases, it may be sinful. Now, I'm not a moral theologian. I'm not a priest, obviously. I'm going to give you my understanding. And I'll also give you references for you to study on your own. So I'm not saying that refusing the marital debt is always sinful because it's not. And we'll take a look at that. In some situations, it can be a venial sin. And in some situations, it could be a grave sin. Now, I was only going to talk about the obligation of the wife to the husband because it seems to me, just from what I see people talking about, it tends to be women that turns down the marital debt for various reasons. And it makes sense. Because men generally have a higher libido. And by libido, I mean sexual drive. The reason they have higher libido is due to their higher testosterone levels. If we take a look at the mean testosterone levels in the blood for men, for young men, let's say up to age 39, the mean is about 630 nanograms per deciliter for men. And for women, it's 32.6 nanograms per deciliter. So as you can see, there's a big difference. And of course, it varies with age, etc. So I want to approach this whole topic of whether it's sinful or not from two angles. The first one is that we have a solemn duty to procreate as long as we're fertile. So basically, our duty is just to be open to life. As long as we are open to life... We fulfill that duty. We also have a solemn obligation to help our spouses get to heaven. So when we discuss the marital debt and whether you should refuse it, whether you shouldn't, keep those two things in mind because it all should really come from that duty and love of God and love of your spouse. I read an article that talked about why Christian couples belong to each other and have a marital debt to pay. It's by Peter Kwawniewski. 
I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. You guys know who he is. He's a traditional uh, writer, liturgist, etc. I will link to it in the show notes. I quote, Marriage is analogous to creation and redemption. God refashions the spouses as husband and wife through their freely given vows. And in a mystery of one many, once always, the exercise of their separate wills brings about their union of life and love. Through the vows, the relationship, by which I mean their dependence on each other, passes from possibility to reality. It becomes a real being, no mere idea or fancy. The married, although they do not acquire a sacramental character in the strict sense, are truly changed. Their foundation has shifted from self to other, from isolation to communion. They acquire a new relation to another, rooted in their reason and will, by which they are newly constituted in the kingdom of God and in the domain of this world. So intimate is this relation that only death, the literal dissolution of one of the spouses, can put a temporal period to it. Yet, inasmuch as the beatified soul of man bears within itself all that it has done within its vocation for the glory of God, the bond between spouses can continue in heaven, not as it exists on earth, but in a transfigured higher state of perfect union that was only imperfectly realized in this life. The foregoing helps to show why the physical union of man and women makes sense only in the context of marriage. It is traditionally called the marital or nuptial act precisely because it is that act whereby the spiritual debt of the vows is symbolically and actually paid. It is a transient image of an enduring commitment, the momentary evidence of an ever-present intention to love and serve, end quote. It's a spiritual thing, guys. When we come back, we'll take a look at some common sense reasons why it might be okay to refuse the marital debt. And then we're going to look at what the moral theologians say about when it's okay to refuse the marital debt. Later on, we'll take a look at what you should do if you're not in the mood. And we'll also take a look at the case of when the woman has a greater libido than her husband. sure if I explained earlier what I meant by refusing the marital debt. What I mean is your spouse approaches you because he wants to have marital intimacy and you refuse him for whatever reason. Maybe you're not in the mood, you have a headache, you're tired. That's refusing the marital debt. So now we're going to look at some reasons that someone might refuse the marital debt. And I have a whole list guys. I got this from the Mayo Clinic website. I'm not going to tell you these reasons are valid or not. You know in your conscience whether they're valid or not. But if you're not sure, please reach out to your priest or your spiritual director. I'm just going to give you some of them, okay? 
So you have physical causes and some of these physical causes may include sexual problems. There are people who have pain when they have sex. And so that obviously will decrease your desire to engage in the marital act. Medical diseases can affect sex drive such as arthritis, cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, coronary artery disease, and neurological diseases. Medications. There are certain medications like antidepressants that can lower your libido. Lifestyle habits. You know how you love that glass of wine? Well, that glass of wine sometimes aids in marital intimacy, but if you have too much, that can also decrease your ability to get things going. Let's put it like that. Surgery. If you have surgery to any part of your body that is involved in the marital act, it may affect you in a negative way. And a good example of that is a wife who has her breast removed because she has breast cancer. And so she's going to feel ashamed. She's going to feel ugly. And no matter how much the spouse tells her, no, you're so beautiful to me. All that doesn't matter. It's going to be very hard for her in the beginning to be comfortable in engaging in the marital act. And this is when the love comes in and the sacrifice and the husband has to be patient and reassure her until she's able to feel comfortable enough to engage again. Some other changes. Women, as women get older, their hormonal levels change. And as we all know, that affects you in a variety of ways. And one of the ways that it affects you is the marital act. When estrogen levels drop, as well as testosterone, it may decrease your libido. It may also cause some physical changes that make sex painful or uncomfortable. Also, during pregnancy and breastfeeding, you have hormonal changes as well that may also put a damper on your sex drive. Fatigue can also make it hard for you to have marital intimacy, right? If you're tired, if you're chasing around children all day, that you may be really tired in the evening. And so the spouse has to sometimes be understanding. Psychological issues such as anxiety, depression, stress, like if you have financial stress, poor body image, previous negative sexual experiences may also affect your desire. Now for women, relationship issues. Emotional closeness for women is absolutely necessary. And it's not always the same for men. We're speaking generally here. There are some men who have to be in an emotional space in order to have marital relations. And there are some women who that doesn't matter to them. So, but in general, women really need that emotional intimacy, which can be affected by conflicts or fights, trust issues, etc., etc. Okay. So, um, I like to say that I like to say, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why, but all these issues and reasons are reasons that people give to reject the marital act or the marital debt to refuse it. And sometimes these reasons are valid and sometimes they're not. Obviously some medical issues may really affect you. And sometimes there are some people who, you know, it's no longer possible for them to, to engage in sex at all. And that's a sacrifice, right? That's a sacrifice for both of them. And it's a sacrifice for the spouse. And we know we are called to sacrifice. So some things we really can't help. You know, if you have a spouse, a man, and he becomes paralyzed from the hip down, you know, you might not be able to engage anymore in the marital act. That's a sacrifice. That's understandable. But there are certain things that you just have to work through. For example, 
and this is my opinion, the relationship issues. Okay, you just had a fight with your spouse, ladies. You're not in the mood. Understood. Maybe you can get away with that one time, but you can't continually say, I'm not in the mood because I'm mad at you. No, you have a duty. You have a duty to fulfill. And there are real consequences for not fulfilling that duty. When we come back, we'll take a look at what the moral theologians have to say. You guys, some of you are not going to like it because the moral theologians, especially the ones that wrote books in the 1920s, they are strict as heck, very, very strict. So I'm going to go over what the moral theologians say. Again, if you have any problems with it, don't come to me. Take it to your priest or your spiritual director and they can talk to you about it. We'll be right back. I have a runny nose. Oh, what's the matter? You look so terrible. I have a headache. I have a cold. We're going to take a look at what the moral theologians have to say about refusing the marriage debt. And we'll look at Father Herbert Jones' book called Moral Theology. It's a very good book, and I'll link to it. And it starts from 754, paragraph 754, section 2. The Obligation of the Marriage Act. It says, Rendering the requested marriage debt is a grave obligation, especially when the petitioner is in danger of incontinence or would have to make a great sacrifice to overcome temptation. And for those who don't know, the Catholic definition of incontinence is Failure to restrain one's sexual impulses within the legitimate bounds of marriage. So it's very important that you understand that if you deny your spouse sexual relations, you might be putting them in spiritual danger. It doesn't mean that you are all the time because different people have different drives and they may not be affected that much, but it's something to look out for and be very careful about. So I quote, the husband usually petitions a debt expressly while the wife does so implicitly, for example, by showing signs of affection, end quote. I think that's kind of interesting. What it's saying is that usually the husband, he approaches, but the wife can show her interest by being affectionate. She might even make a nice dinner. It's going to be important later when we talk about how to tell if your spouse needs you, needs the marital intimacy. Let me quote again. It is only a venial sin to refuse a debt provided the other party is not placed in danger of sinning gravely. Now this section is also important because it's saying that it's a venial sin regardless. That's my understanding. Of course, you can take it to your priest, to your spiritual director. I'm none of those, but that's what it's saying. It's a venial sin to refuse a debt because you do have an obligation when it comes to the marital debt. It's an, it's an obligation. It's a debt, meaning you owe it to the person, right? It says, if the petitioner will readily renounce his right or if rendering it is only briefly postponed or if the use of the marriage right is frequent and its refusal is only rare, for example, once a month. 
So if you're not feeling the mood and you tell your husband, darling, I'm just not in the mood tonight. And he says, okay, no problem. Then it's only a venial sin. Some might say it's not a sin at all. Ask your priest about that. Or if you're used to frequent uses of the marital act, then it's okay if once a month you're not in the mood. However, if you're always not in the mood, it's a problem. It goes on. Elderly women and mothers of many children should generally be left in good faith if they think they sin gravely only when they almost always refuse to render the marriage debt or only if by such repulse the husband is put in danger of grave sin. In general, one should rather call women's attention to the gravity of their obligation and remind husbands to be moderate. These books were basically written for priests as an aid in the confessional to know when something is venal, when something is grave. And it's saying basically women, older women and mothers, give them the benefit of the doubt, you know. Um, they're usually probably not in grave sin unless they're putting their husband in grave sin. You know, usually give them the benefit of the doubt. But remind women of their obligation and remind husbands to be moderate. So the husband has to know that Come on, give the woman a break sometimes, right? You know that she has a bunch of little children that she's taking care of. You know that she's breastfeeding. You know she's tired. Give her a break and pretty much control yourself sometimes. That's what this is saying. Be moderate. Don't ask her to fulfill the marriage debt all the time, right? Okay. Then the book goes on to talk about excuses from rendering the debt. And here are the excuses. Number one, adultery on the part of one's consort. And it says adultery must be certain and committed with knowledge and consent. Thus, no excuse arises if one's partner has been raped or if the crime has been pardoned. For example, by voluntary rendering the debt in spite of the knowledge of the adultery. Let's break this down. There's two parts to this. First is saying the adultery has to be voluntary and committed with knowledge and consent you cannot refuse a marital debt to a spouse that was raped because rape is not voluntary so you can't do that you can't withhold it because the spouse technically had sex with someone else because they didn't want to so it's not voluntary so you can't refuse a marital debt but the second part is even more interesting. This is what it says. If your spouse commits adultery, and let me use the example of a husband committing adultery on his wife. I'm doing this for simplicity because we all know that both men and women cheat, right? Okay. So let's say the husband commits adultery the wife is very hurt, upset, understandably. She basically banishes him from her bed. He sleeps on the couch. While she decides, what is she going to do? Or while she decides, how am I going to forgive him? Lord, help me to forgive him. Or she might even decide to separate. But then, as time goes on, maybe they had a good day. You know, maybe they were eating dinner. They had a couple of laughs. She started to feel a little affection towards him. She's still very angry at him. 
And she hasn't decided whether she's going to forgive him or not. But, you know, they had a good day. So that night, she renders the debt. And maybe she renders the debt the next night. But then she starts to think again about the whole situation. She gets really upset and she says, you know what? I'm not going to render the debt. I'm going to refuse the marital debt because you lied to me. You hurt me. What this is saying is that the minute, the minute that the wife voluntarily renders a debt, even though she knows this, the crime has been pardoned. So once you've done that, you cannot go back now and say, it's my right not to render the marital debt because of what you did to me. Because you pardon him by rendering the debt. Oh, I know a lot of people are not going to agree with this. I'm just telling you what it says in this book. <laughs> okay. If you don't agree with it, please comment and let me know what you think about that. The second excuse, non-support of wife and children. It says, if the husband squanders his income and compels his wife to provide for their livelihood, she need not render the marriage debt. But if the family must live in poverty through no fault of the husband, there is no reason for refusing the debt. Neither does the circumstance that more children would necessitate greater restrictions on the family constitute such a reason. So if you have a husband who is not even trying to provide for the family, and because of this, the wife has to go and seek employment, even though she has a ton of kids and she needs to be home with the children, she has to go and seek employment. She does not have to render the marriage debt. Wow, that's interesting. So if the wife is out there busting her butt outside of the home, bringing home an income because the husband refuses to work or he's lazy, she does not have to render the debt. And it's a good excuse for it. Let's say it's a good excuse. Wow, that's amazing to me. However, if the husband is trying, but he just doesn't have the skills or he doesn't have the skills to bring in a good income or he just doesn't have luck finding a good job, she cannot refuse a marriage debt. Number three, lack of the use of reason on the part of the petitioner. Hence, the marriage debt may, but need not be rendered to the insane nor to the completely intoxicated. So that means if your spouse is drunk, if your spouse is crazy, you can render the marital debt if you want, but you, you don't have to. You can also refuse it. That's kind of self-explanatory. The fourth reason, unreasonable demand. This is principally the case when one party desires such frequent intercourse that the constitution of others suffers greatly. Judgment should be passed by a conscientious physician. I'm not going to go that much into details on that because it gets a little, uh, it gets a little too specific. But basically it's saying that if you constantly demand marital intimacy, it might have an effect on the woman's body. And it might cause certain changes and you should check with the physician on that. But that may be a good reason. And I'm not going to go into more detail. You guys use your imagination. Fifth one, great danger to health or life. Such a danger will be given in the case of gravely infectious diseases, 
of a very weak heart, etc. The ordinary hardships of pregnancy, childbirth, nursing, and care of children, such as intense but brief pains, prolonged but mild headaches, are not a sufficient excuse. Neither is the fear of a miscarriage or childbirth, which the wife knows from experience will follow conception. Now, this is interesting because it defines what a grave danger is to life. If you have like tuberculosis and, you know, you can't be around people, obviously there's no, you don't need to render the marital debt. If you have like a real condition, like a weak heart where you can end up having a heart attack, you don't need to render the marital debt. However, the hardships that are common to women, such as pregnancy, childbirth, nursing, and stuff like that, some pains that you're used to. So if you're someone that always has a headache, it's basically saying if you always have a headache, like a mild headache, then don't use a headache as an excuse because it's something that you're used to. It's a common hardship. You have headaches here and there. It's not a big migraine headache. You just have a headache. Don't use that as an excuse. So that I have a headache shouldn't be an, an excuse unless it's actually like, you know, a grave, like a big migraine or, or something like that. Also, if you've had a lot of miscarriages, it says refusing the marital debt is not an option because you're afraid that you might have a miscarriage or stillbirth, which wives know is a possibility. I saw on Facebook there was a woman that was discussing the idea of she had one miscarriage and it was really hard on her and she was discussing whether she had the obligation to render the marital debt because of the fact that she had a miscarriage and she was afraid that she would have another one. So what this is basically saying is that it's not an excuse because you have a fear of miscarriage. I would expect if someone has constant miscarriages, like one after another, then probably you know, you would have a good reason for maybe refusing the marital deck. But of course, talk to your priest. Hi there, this is Cynthia Burley. Please subscribe to Life Smithing with Cynthia Burley on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google. If you listen to us on iTunes and you love this podcast, we would be so ecstatic if you would give us a five-star review. Giving us five-star reviews help us to reach more people. Thank you so much and God bless. Boy, we had a lot to unpack. Thank you guys for being so patient. Now we've taken a look at common excuses. We've taken a look at excuses that are sanctioned by moral theologians. But then what do we do? So now we have a better idea what's sinful and what's not. I hope you do. Some things may be venial, some things may be grave, some things may not be sins at all. But at least now I hope that you have an idea, a place to start. And then you can go to your priest to get more direction or to get more clarity. Because that's not my job here. I wanted to impress on everyone how important it is not to refuse your spouse. So what do you do if you're not in the mood? I mean, all of us at one time or another just don't feel like marital intimacy. 
for whatever reason, for all the reasons that I listed before. But deep down, we know these reasons are not that valid. We want to be more open with our spouses, but we're not sure what to do. So this is when I come in, I'm going to give you some tips on what you can do. So this one is for the women. What do you do if you're not in the mood? A number of things. Number one, pray daily to God for an increased desire for your husband. Genesis tells us that our desire will always be for our husband. So if you don't have that desire for your husband, maybe something is wrong. Pray for God to fix that. And if you pray and you mean it, he will. The next thing you could do is exercise and eat healthy. Keep your body healthy. Keep everything flowing. If you have illnesses, of course, it's going to affect your libido. So whatever is in your power to do, and there may be some illnesses where you have no choice, but if you have a choice, eat healthy, exercise, so that when your husband approaches you, you won't want to refuse him. If you are not sure what you like about your husband and he gets on your nerves all the time, consider starting a journal and maybe on a weekly basis, write down what you are grateful for when it comes to your husband. Sometimes we take our spouses for granted. We forget all the good qualities. So get into the habit of writing down those good qualities so that you have more feelings of affection for your spouse. If you have a spouse that gets on your nerves because he doesn't help you and you need help, have you asked him to help you? Some women don't know how to ask their husbands to help them or they feel, well, this is my duty. Maybe I shouldn't ask him. It's my wifely role. No, ask him. Communication is key. If you're working around the house, the kids, and you're so tired and you want help putting away the dishes, Ask him, darling, would you please help me with this? And he probably will. And that'll take away some of the resentment you might feel, which stops you from being affectionate with your husband, which tend to cause you to refuse a marital debt. Here's what else you can do. If you are seldom in the mood, ask your husband how often he is in the mood. You have to be able to be somewhat blunt with your spouse. I don't care how you dress it. If you want to dress it in flowery language, like if you want to say, darling, how often do you have desire for me? Then do that. If you want to say, how often do you want to have sex? Then do that. Find out what his libido is like and then keep track of it. If he tells you three times a week, you know what? Take your little calendar, your iPhone and Every time that you have marital intimacy, put a check mark or something next to it. So if you see there's a week and there's zero check marks, you know it's time. And then it's time for you to make a move, okay? Now the next thing is I'm gonna address the husbands now. You know your wife is usually not in the mood. Figure out why. Talk to her and ask her. Just say, I notice you're not that much in the mood. Is there something I'm doing? Is there something you'd like me to do so that you're more in the mood? Ask her directly. Be conscious that she's probably very tired and show concern for that. You know, a wonderful thing would be, honey, I know that you had a very hard day. I really want to be with you tonight. 
but I understand if you're, you know, tired. She'll appreciate the fact that you're thinking about her. As the book said, be moderate. Don't expect to, you know, have intercourse with her on a daily basis. If you both have the same levels of libido and that's fine, wonderful. But probably that's not going to be the case. So be moderate and learn to control yourself to a certain degree. Now back to the wives. What if you have more libido than your husband? This is not as rare as people might think. There are certain situations where the woman is the one that's interested and the husband is not that interested. You're going to have to communicate with them and let him know that. And I know it's hard because you might feel a little bit ashamed because society tells you the man should be the one that's always requesting the intimacy, right? But it's the opposite when it comes to you. So you might feel a little ashamed, but don't feel ashamed. Tell him how important it is for you to be intimate with him. Tell him when you're intimate, you have a surge of love for him. Let him know that. And then tell him that you have desire for him X amount of times a week. Just have a conversation and say, how often do you need to have marital intimacy for you to feel okay a week? Let's see what he says. And then you say, well, for me, I think about three times. You let him know that so he knows. You're going to have to initiate sometimes. Now, a lot of women don't want to initiate, and that's fine. Woman is very receptive. That's how woman is naturally. But it's okay to initiate, and there are different ways to initiate, right? One way is to be affectionate. Even the book says that, right? Maybe when you're in the mood, come to him and, you know, you might give him a, a quick massage or kiss him on the cheek or give him a peck which might make him wonder why is she being so affectionate. In time, he will learn that you do that when you're interested. You can also tell him that this is how he will know when you're interested. These kind of conversations, a good way to have them is to say, honey, how often are you in the mood a week, would you say? And they'll say what it is. And then you'll say, oh, okay, I'm usually in the mood X amount of times. And that's how you find out. So men, if your wife has a higher libido, make sure that you know how often she's usually in the mood and keep track of it. In the same way that I said the woman should keep track of it, you keep track of it. So men, if your wife has a higher libido, ask her how often she wants to be intimate and you keep track of it. Keep track of it and initiate. So if, let's say a week goes by and you know that she has a desire for you maybe twice a week and the week has almost ended, you initiate, you start it so that she doesn't feel like she's the one that's always asking for it. It's very important that she doesn't feel like she's the one that wants you and you don't want her. It's very easy to take that personally. So make a point of writing down and keeping track. Yes, it doesn't sound romantic, but it works. Okay, everyone. So we've had a long talk about marital intimacy and I hope things are a little bit clearer but I understand it may be a little more fuzzy because you're not sure whatever wherever there's fuzziness take it to your priest at the end of the day love your spouse do your duty know the battle debt is a debt it needs to be fulfilled do not refuse the marital debt often only refuse it for good reason and things should be fine have a blessed day